Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in California, and I'm joined with my co-host and friend, Liz Feldstrand in Jerusalem. Liz, it's been an exciting week. What's new with you? Hi, Alan. Doing very well, and good to see you and good to hear you. Yes. Uh, I think we have a lot to discuss today. It could be um, quite challenging because the issues are challenging. But this week we saw the Knesset uh, vote of um, 64 to 0 to pass the reasonableness bill. And the demonstrations have continued to happen. Uh, Last night, Saturday night, I understand there were protests again all over the country. Any comments you have on on the protest? Did you attend one last night? I did, yes, uh, here in Jerusalem. I, you know, my comment is that it is kind of an amazing thing that even now that, you know, the Knesset is in in recess, um, that the protest movement is not going to just disappear. Um, they want to keep the momentum and make sure everybody realizes that, you know, they're paying attention. And the even if this particular law, right, was in fact passed, so maybe this battle was, uh, was not successful for the, for the protest movement, there is still much more to, to be fighting for. Right. And there is the recess. And it's one of the unique things that I think we're educating people on, whoever listens to our podcast, about the process that the the government goes through with its recesses around holidays. And so right now they're on the summer recess that's going to then fold into the recess for the high holidays. So basically, the country is on a governmental pause for six to eight weeks. Does that give relief to the country, or are they? Is the country still engaged with this discussion? I think the country is still and will very much still be engaged with this discussion. That you know, that said, this is time of year where people's attention spans are sort of divided in general. There's a reason why now is when there's the recess. It's just about August, it's the height of summer, all the kids are on vacation, parents are at their, you know, pinnacle of their needing to juggle and figure out what to do with these kids. Um, And then school will start September 1, as it does every year in Israel. And with the Jewish holidays immediately on, it's on that, you know, the tail of that. And there's not a whole lot that happens in this country other than summer ending and school starting between the 1st of August and mid-October or whenever the holidays are over. It's just such a whirlwind of one holiday after the other. Um, you know, it, so I don't think that the government would be getting too much done, even if they were somehow in session this time of year. It's just, it's just a crazy time of year, but I am. Um, but I, I do think that the protests will continue, um, and I think it's important that they continue. So the reasonableness bill 
law that was passed is now active. There is some response by the Supreme Court or the Attorney General to respond to it. Um, but it is, uh, it's a fact, a fact of life now for Israel that this passed and the country has to now deal with it. Um, several things that have developed over the past week that I've been following out of Israel, and that's people's opinions and, and comments about what's been going on. Also, there were there was another vote uh, in the Knesset following that one to um, really change how things were would take place in Israel, but they didn't go through. One was to uh, equate studying Torah with service in the military, service in the IDF. Uh, that one did not pass, but it was, again, the motivation by this group to really change the the scope of what's going on in Israel. I did listen to a panel that the Times of Israel put together, and there have been many, many uh, op-eds in uh, the Israeli papers and the American papers over this. Michael Oren wrote one, David Horowitz wrote one, uh, and um, Yossi Klein-Alevi posted one the other day, quite an interesting uh, analysis uh, from his opinion. But something that I followed with uh, the Times of Israel that David Horowitz said in his panel the other day was the connection between what's going on now and the disengagement in 2005. That surprised me. To be honest, I mean, I was aware of the disengagement in 2005, but I did not at the time this week or the whole protest equate what's going on in Israel to the roots uh, going back to 2005. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? So I think um, that I think they are very much connected. And the fact that you, we, people who um weren't personally impacted by the disengagement can forget shows how big of a rift um, that disengagement really was because for the, the I think it was 8,000 Israelis from 21 different uh, settlements, for those people who were relocated from their homes, it was and continues to be sort of the defining moment of their of their lives and we should remember since this was 17 years ago many of them at the time were children who are now adults and they have carried the the trauma of those events of right of having their fellow israelis the israeli army young soldiers come and forcibly remove them from their homes and then demolish those homes um They've carried that experience and that trauma with them for all of these years, and it absolutely informs how they think about Israel and now how they vote. So, um, so thank you for that. Do you think that the two parties of uh, religious Zionism under Smotrich and Otsma Yehudit uh, under Ben Gavir? came out of that experience? I know the settlement movement has always been a challenge between parts of Israel, and it's been a dividing issue for a long time. But here you've got two people in a, in the Knesset pretty much leading this charge. Are their roots connected to the disengagement? Yes. They both, uh, Smotrich and Benvir, come from that um, segment of Israeli society and have 
managed to create a uh, a narrative that gave power back to to that population who was so incredibly dis disempowered dis literally disengaged right i am um, in 2005 and you know i i think that it is almost hard to overemphasize how how much of an impact the disengagement had right we're talking about people who thought of themselves as doing what their country wanted. They were the most Zionist. They were doing exactly what they should have been doing, right? Settling places that needed to be settled, farming, working the land, creating sustainable, healthy communities out of the desert. And then in a relatively short time span, all of a sudden they became the problem, right? They became the uh, the the roadblock in the way of peace or what needed to happen politically, um, and and all of a sudden they were, you know, what needed to be fixed and literally who needed to be moved, um, and. And I am sure that they have not forgotten that. I want to bring up something um, because now I have a whole different viewpoint of what's what this has been about as a as a person in the States, you know, 8000 miles away. The divide in Israel with the settlement movement and, and quote, the occupation has been a dividing line for quite a while. Um, and the growth of the settlement movement has really come under the Likud party, hasn't it? Wasn't Ariel Sharon one of the big leaders of the settlement movement? And, yes. And, wasn't and, I, he and also... I think that the settlements then, just to say one more sentence about that, were somewhat different than settlements more recently in that they were they were large settlements, right? They were they were building whole communities. What we have heard about since 2005, more often are sort of, you know, three families on a, on a hilltop. They are, they're a different kind of settlement. They are a more um, a radicalized type of person who wants to have that lifestyle. But it's easy to forget that 20 plus years ago, it wasn't so, it wasn't so radical right they these were people who were really yes religious yes zionist yes you know very committed to the idea of settling the land but they were still part of the mainstream and then they became so othered um and 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 really ostracized as the country split along this question of you know did did in fact they need to be forcibly removed so you're bringing up so many rele- relevant issues dealing with the conflict that takes place in Israel on a day-to-day basis. I just need to reference, and I have to ask your permission on this. I believe Ariel Sharon was the prime minister at the time that led the disengagement. Yes, 
yeah, he proposed the idea, I think, in 2003. It passed in 2004. And by the summer of 2005, it happened. And so you have the Likud party, who he was a leader of. Now, fixing, in the, in my mind, and I could be completely wrong, fixing the the decision that was made, you know, 17 years ago by aligning himself, by Netanyahu aligning himself with the religious Zionist party and the Otsma Yudit party in order to provide this pathway for this movement to really take power over the country. That's a hypothetical, you know, analysis on my part, but I think that that's what I'm seeing right now in our conversation, uh, and it troubles me. Uh... I don't know to what extent I would say that Prime Minister Netanyahu, for example, has purposefully aligned himself with these two uh, political parties, the religious Zionists and the and the Yudi, the Jewish Power Party, in order to repair something that was, you know, done by the Likud Party 17 years ago, but rather. These are the parties that the prime minister was able to align himself with to to stay in power, and I think he, um, you know, is maybe doing some of that work of mm, repair. But but I don't think that that was his goal. I don't think that is why he has these parties in his coalition. Well, some of the feedback has been that he's doing this to protect himself with his trials that are taking place. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that this connection to the parties in 2005 disengagement and the growth of the settlement movement uh, really paints a different picture today. And that here is a, a movement afoot in Israel that's really taking the country uh, in a different direction than 50% of the country wants to be in. Uh, and with that, I want to mention a poll that was taken by Channel 13 this week that at a, a percentage of that I just can't agree with, and again, I'm not a pollster and I'm not living in Israel, but 28% of Israelis consider leaving the country amid judicial upheaval. Uh, the poll was done by Channel 13 following the um, passing of the law. Uh, what What's your take on that? Do you think that's a realistic number? What are, you, what are your thoughts? I- so obviously anything that I would say about what is the real number, what percentage of Israelis are thinking of leaving the country would be a wild guess based on absolutely nothing whatsoever. But so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to throw out another number or say whether the 28 is, you know, high or low or something else. But I will say that I think um, certainly there is an undercurrent in the half of the country that is not happy with where, you know, what this government is trying to do. I am thinking about, you know, what happens if things continue in this direction, because the changes that are happening are uh, significant ones for what the what life will be like in the country, right? If we have more and more uh, power consolidated in the executive branch, which is right now 
um, the most right wing and the most religious that Israel has ever had. And they're the ones who will continue to be making laws without a system of checks and balances or without the system of checks and balances as it has existed until now, right? What that will mean for the what it's like to live here, you can't be in Israel and not be thinking about that. Um, so is 28 a high percentage of people to be thinking about if they might need to leave the country? I don't know. I think maybe it is, you know, reasonable, not to use that very loaded word, <laughs> But right in in looking at the potential changes that are coming down the pipeline. I'm going to go back in history. When I was living in Israel in the early mid 80s, there was also a movement of people leaving the country and the government put a tax on people that you had to pay an exit fee to leave the country of at that time, two hundred fifty dollars. I don't remember exactly the numbers of people that left the country. Uh, I do know that I had to come up with $250 when I left the country because I was in my OLEP period. Uh, but I want to ask a question. And again, I, I don't know if you have the answer. How involved with the Supreme Court was the Supreme Court in the 2005 disengagement plan? I am the... That's an interesting question. I don't recall whether it went to the Supreme Court at the time. I don't know that the the Knesset having passed it was was challenged. Uh, I'd have to look it up. Seventeen years ago is a long time. Yeah. Um, but you were a you were a smart college student back then. I'm sure that you were very much. I was a college student. That part's true. <laughs> I, I, you know, that was a leap of faith on my part because I just want to make all these connections. Why, why is there so much animosity towards the Supreme Court? Why this movement to really separate the country is afoot? Historically, you know, these things have taken place over time, also. Um, but I, I, that question came to me while we were discussing this, and it is something we both can look up and and talk about uh, later on. But I, I just want to go back to the poll for a second, and then I'm gonna. Uh, help yeah. us wrap this up. I just think 28% is a large number. And the the poll found that 28% of respondents were weighing a move abroad, 64% were not interested in leaving, and 8% were unsure. This was all published in the Times of Israel and was done by Channel 13. So anybody can look up that those numbers. I don't see where the um where the overall numbers come from, but the another response to this over half of the surveys respondents 54 percent said they feared the judicial overall was harming israel's security and 56 percent were worried about civil war um only 33 percent of the respondents said they believed prime minister benjamin netanyahu's claim that he wants to compromise on the rest of the judicial overall legislation although 84 percent of voters for the premier's Likud party said they believed him so again you know you're getting a divide in the country um, I have to just share just a couple of other things, and then I'm going to have to let you go since we're we're past our 20 minutes. Um, you shared a, a podcast last week called "Unholy: <clears throat> Unholy Two Jews on the News." Mm -hmm. I did listen to their podcast. I and again, this is not the only podcast that I um, I'm part that I participate in. I believe podcasts are a great great way of learning 
uh, about things. I enjoyed it. They were very, very good. Uh, and I've continued to listen to them. So thank you for turning uh, that podcast uh, on to me. And I wish everybody else who listens to our podcast to explore that in others. Uh, but again, they they are addressing um, the challenges that are taking place in Israel. Uh, and they come at it from a, a perspective that I think is helpful for an American or non-Israeli to understand. Um, before I let you go, I have to ask you about Tuba Av. <laughs> I think closing out today and talking about uh, a holiday of love in Israel, I think is important because we talked about Tisha B'Av uh, as being, you know, a remembrance of all the tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people. And there are quite a few people that made, tried to make a connection between this legislative issue and the conflicts in Israel as a connection to Tisha B'Av. And then the last quote that I just shared from the, Times of Israel about uh, potential for civil war. I don't believe that Israel is going to participate in a civil war. And I think Tisha B'Av is a reminder of the challenges that the Jewish people have gone through over time. But the juxtaposition to Tubav, I think, is almost ironic and humorous at the same time. Yeah. So Tubav, you know, isn't all that much of a holiday here in Israel. There are, you know, some sort of Valentine's Day-esque things that, you know, you see sold because of it too bad. But um, I think the way that it connects to what we've been talking about and sort of the protest movement and what's going on in Israel is that it really is remarkable that to such a large extent, all of the protests have been peaceful. Right, the the times and the incidents where that has not been the case are really very much the exception to the rule, and I think the the tenor of the protests, right, the that the protest movement has adopted for itself as its number one symbol, the Israeli flag, that it is a protest movement that is about. Uh, the good of the country and wanting a country that is expansive and makes room for all of Israel's citizens and that a movement that wants to be able to say, we love you, even when we know you are wrong, um, that that is very much in, aligned with Tuba. And I, and I do really believe that that is how the protests feel. And that is still the sentiment of the vast majority of the people who do not agree with what's happening in the country, but 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 are also not really ready to pack up and go. So regardless of whether it's 28% or some other number, um, most people still want to make it work and believe that it can. Wow, that is a great way for us to close out today. You did a great job of making a connection there between the, the love of Israel and the conflict that Israel experiences, which is probably why we have existed as the Jewish people and those connected to Israel for so many thousands of years. Mm -hmm. we, we see potential in the future, and we don't forget about the past. Here, so, here. 
So with that, Liz, thank you very much for today and for your insight. And thank you all for listening. Um, I will include more of those um, uh, podcasts and the Times of Israel poll, as well as uh, links to the op-eds that uh, we referenced. Thank you all for listening. This has been uh, Israel Rebound, a podcast bringing uh, 